This is an ICGC Cornerstone podcast. At Cornerstone, we believe in the power of the Word of God to transform lives and empower people to influence their generation. And now, time for the message. I want to teach briefly on what I've titled, Be the Example. Tell somebody, be the example. Tell another person, be the example. The very interesting thing about our world is that our world is looking for examples. Our world is looking for examples. Many times when we speak to people, we tell them, you know, it doesn't matter. There's no example around you. Just, you know, try and be the example and and, that would be good. Yes, that is good. But our world is looking for examples. I mean, our world is looking for examples of good marriage. To be encouraged that marriage is actually something worth pursuing. And, and so, and our world is looking for examples of, of, you know, good Christian conduct. Our world is looking for examples of, of, of you know, good businesses. That something that can inspire people to look ahead. And it's very important that we be the example. In a world where there is so much talk and less action, we are looking for more action and less talk. And so, it is important as Christians that we don't only confess with our mouth, but we must also demonstrate with our action the confessions of our hearts. And so it's very important that we be the example that the world is looking for. Be the example. And when we talk about example, what's an example? An example is a person or a thing that is regarded in terms of their fitness to be imitated. It is a person or a thing in, to be regarded in terms of their fitness to be imitated. So is this thing fit to be imitated? Can I copy this thing? Can I follow this thing? So Paul says that imitate me as I imitate Christ. Very important. Is it fit to be imitated? Is it fit to be imitated? And it's, it's, that's the question that we have to ask ourselves when we think about the word example. The reason why we follow Jesus is because we see him as fit to be imitated. Through his actions, through his words, through his lifestyle, we see him as fit to be imitated. And that's very important as well. And, and we all look for examples in different fields. When it comes to football, we look for examples. When it comes to football, we want to, what's the example of a great player? We think about somebody like Messi or Ronaldo. The argument is still going on. But most people will lean to either of them. Because we're looking for something or someone that we can follow. And we see that there's something exemplary about them. When we think about something like basketball, we think about Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Steph Curry. I mean, so based on whatever of the divide you are on. Because we see them as an example that you can follow. When we think about pastoring, I think about uh, um, my general pastor, Dr. Otterbo, as an example that I can follow. And so it's very important when we think about that as an example. Being a pattern or a model of something to be imitated. A pattern um, or model of something to be imitated or avoided. 
Because as an example can be something that you say, I will not do. A pattern, a model of something to be imitated or avoided. An example. Somebody has used the acronym of example to, to, to spell out something very interesting. The person says, when, when they look at the acronym of example, the person says, every excellent attitude mirrored positively lifts everyone. Every excellent attitude mirrored positively lifts everyone. That's a very interesting description of that word, example. But the world is looking for examples. There are a couple of questions I want to ask, I want us to think about as we go through this message this morning. What kind of example am I to my friends, family, spouse, and children? It's a question that you have to think about. What kind of example am I to my friends, family, spouse, and children? What kind of example? And for parents that are here this morning, you must understand that your children are observing your example. It is one of the things that we, we say naively is that, oh, the child is two years old, so it doesn't know what is going on. A child knows what, what is going on, even when the child is two. So for parents who are here, our kids watch our examples. They watch how we communicate to our spouse. They watch the kind of, the tone of our words. They watch the kind of things that we do. So if, you, if you're a parent here, and you fight in front of your, your children, you must stop it. Because they watch it. They watch our examples. They watch, they watch the time that we spend with them. They watch how we treat ourselves. Our kids watch them. And they may not necessarily fully understand now, but years later they can recoil. I mean, all of us recoil how our parents related to each other. And things that we remember because when our parents thought that we were naive and didn't know anything, we were recording unconsciously. Very important. When your name is mentioned what will you be associated with? It's a question that you have to ponder about. When your name is mentioned, either in your office, in your family, amongst your friends, what will you be associated with when your name is mentioned? There are certain names that when they are mentioned, they are associated with lateness. And I hope you are not like that this morning. When your name is mentioned, what will you be associated with? The third question I want you to ask yourself is, can people imitate my lifestyle? And these are very serious questions that even I myself as a pastor am pondering about as well. Can people imitate my lifestyle? Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. This is what Jesus says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand. And it gives a light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In this particular passage, we see three important symbols of influence. Three important symbols of influence. Number one, we see salt. You are the salt of the earth. 
I love this particular scripture so much because there is something that Jesus says that is very interesting. He says, you are the salt of the earth, not the salt of the church. Don't forget that word. You are the salt of the earth. So your influence transcends the church. So if you say, oh, when I come to church, I, this is what I will do, this is what I will say, I will do X, Y, Z. You must understand that the example that you are supposed to set is beyond the four wells of the church. You are the salt of the earth, meaning that the earth is looking up to you. And salt, that signifies preservative and seasoning. Salt of the earth. Preservative. The reason why we find Kobe hanging there for a long time is because it is salted, loaded with salt. Or momonia, or what else again? Hmm? What are the other salty? Kako. The way they last for long is because they have been baptized in salt. That is why it is there for a very long time. It is a preservative. You are the salt of the earth. And that means three things. Number one, it means that we must preserve Christian values. We are a preservative. We must preserve Christian values. In a time when the world is redefining what is true and what is false, who is a man and who is a woman, what is marriage, in a time when the world is redefining everything, we must not be part of that revolution. We must be against the revolution. We must preserve Christian values. We must preserve values of integrity, values of honor, Values of respect. Values of decency. We must preserve these values in a time when the world is changing all these. Because Christian values will preserve you from sin. Will preserve you from the contamination that is in the world. We must preserve ourselves. We must preserve ourselves. So it's very important as salt, my friends, we preserve Christian values. Wherever we find ourselves, when people are compromising, we must be the standard. We must be the standard. There are certain things that people in your office or those around you should not be able to say around you. You must not encourage certain kinds of conversation. We must stand out because the world is looking for examples. And if we say that we are Christians, we, we must demonstrate the examples that the world is looking for. That is why when you go to either to offices or to families or to, or to amongst friends, everybody there will say we are Christians. But yeah, you see the difference. Everybody said we go to church, but going to church is not enough. It's not enough. We don't come and mark register here. We come because we get transformed. We are constantly being transformed so that we can also go and transform. That's what we do. We are transformed so that we can go and transform. That's what we do. Recently, in my, in my neighborhood, the power has been going off and on. And, and it has been going off and on. Sometimes the whole neighborhood will have power, but we will not have power in our area. And the reason why we didn't have power in our area was because the transformer was spot was broken down. And so the power comes, was very low current. But recently they came to change the transformer. It wasn't that power was not flowing, but the thing that should transform for all of us to have light so that we don't walk in darkness is spoiled. 
And sometimes in our families, in our neighborhoods, the reason why certain things still prevail and persevere is because those who are transformers have chosen not to work. And so the neighborhood, the office, the family is experiencing doomso. But not physical doomso, spiritual doomso. We have been called to transform. That is very important and that is something that we must have at the back of our minds as well. So salt preserves Christian values. Salt changes the environment. Changes the environment. Over time, as you make your faith known, over time, as you demonstrate Christian values, over time you will see that your environment begins to change. It may not change all of a sudden, but over time, when, when, you, when you begin to demonstrate decency and honesty and integrity, over time you find others learning your habits. And picking certain things from you. Because iron sharpens iron. It's very important that we understand this as well. And number three, salt produces positive impact. It produces positive impact. Jesus also said that we are the light of the world. Light there stands for guidance. Light there stands for guidance. In Ghana today, our, the, we have, we, in, in some of our, our port cities like Takwadi or Tema, normally we have what we call lighthouse. Now they don't, they are getting a bit obsolete, but we have what's called lighthouse. And a lighthouse is basically a, a, a tall structure. And what a lighthouse does is that a lighthouse, when the ships are coming in the night, the lighthouse will try to navigate and help direct the ship so that they don't hit the, because normally every port has, has a boundary and it's a rocky surface. And if the, if the light doesn't guide the ship in the night accordingly, it will end up crashing in, into the barrier that has been created. And, and Jesus said that we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Because the lighthouse will normally give warnings to the ship to, so that it, 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 it avoids the dangerous areas as well. And it guides the ship. In the darkness, it guides the ship. Because the light will expose and dispense with darkness. What does the light do? Number three things. One, light exposes wrong and corrupt practices. Light exposes wrong and corrupt practices. We must not be silent with our beliefs. But we must let our convictions guide our actions. Silence does not change things. Silence does not change. We must stand out and we must speak up. We must not be silent with our things. Some of you on, on, on the pages that you are, maybe old school pages, pages on WhatsApp pages, you must not be silent. You must speak up. Because I know that a lot of those old school pages, there are a lot of filthy things that, that roll about on those places. But we must speak up. Some of us, we have social media. We don't even know how to use social media. Some of the, some of the people I follow in corner, maybe, maybe some of you, those that don't follow maybe, but those I follow, it's like we don't even know how to use social media. <laughs> I don't know. It's like whether we don't know how to use it or we don't, we don't know how to use it. Maybe you have about 4,000 friends in, on Facebook. You can reach 4,000 people and you are silent. I, I, I wonder. Some of you open accounts and the account is just sleeping. You don't post what you learn from church. You don't post your devotional thoughts. You don't, you don't post anything. You just, you just sleep. You just sleep. You don't go there to go and watch and look and go away for, for people to feed you, but you don't feed anybody. You are constipated. 
you are, you are constipated. And when anybody who is constipated struggles to eat more. When you are fed, you will constipate. Your stomach is hard. Expose wrong and corrupt practices. That is what light does. So we must not be silent. We must not be silent. Somebody can't come around and use and say anything around you. How dare you? I would let you know where we stand. Because, because we have, we must, you know, our world has become so bad that sometimes when we even speak, people say you are judging. What is judging? This is my standard. It's not about judging. It's not about judging. When Jesus says, judge not that you shall not be judged, he's saying that in the context of the fact that pull the log out of your eyes before you pull somebody's eyes. He's not saying that don't pull that from somebody's eyes. He said that remove your own first and you can remove somebody's own. But he said that it's not that you should not judge. That's not what the Bible says. Read the context very carefully. You must let people know. And when they're around, there are certain things they cannot do. Certain things they cannot say. Certain things they cannot, I mean, when I used to work in the, in, in the corporate world, you know, and you know, some of you know, the guys, some of them are married, you say, you know, I finished this girl last night. And they'll be saying all this during lunchtime. And I just look, and I, my mind is, and I say, and the wife, I said, this guy, the wife doesn't even know what he's doing. I said, no. Like some of the things they say, I mean, for those of you in the corporate space, I mean, you know, some of the, when you go for lunchtime, I just, you, I mean, it's just nasty. We must be the light. We must not be silent. You can say, but if you bring that in around me, I will deal with you. We must expose wrong and corrupt practices. We must provide guidance as light. Psalm 119 verse 11 helps us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It helps me to see, provide guidance. Because the world is in darkness. And many people who are unbelievers don't even know what to do. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded their eyes. So they cannot see. We must provide guidance. So you must ask yourself, when people are around me for over a period of time, what are the things they see around me? If they are around you for a very long period of time and they keep saying anything around you, it means that you, you either enjoy it or you are silent. Because when you set certain standards, they, they will not do it. When I was in school, I mean, in my room, I had, you know, those, those days I had, you know, teacher training people in my room. These are older guys, some of them in their 40s and 50s. And that time I was like in my 20s, saying, oh, doing all kinds of things in my room. And one day I was, you know, reading the Living Word devotional, and something sparked within my spirit. So I was, they were just saying, I was lying down, by, I realized that they were disturbing my meditation. And I got up, I thought it was an, and I addressed everybody there quickly. And I said, <laughs> I don't want to tell you what I said. <laughs> but, <laughs> but with holy conviction, they never repeated the action again. We must. And then they'll say, oh, said, but I wasn't even a pastor at that time. Osofu said, let's not say this. Hey, Osofu, they, hey, hey, hey. They must call you, Osofu. Yes. They must call you. They must call you. Because you are, in the, you are the pastor in the, in the marketplace. You are in the pastor in the corporate space. You are the one who brings light and brings guidance. Your life must bring guidance to people. Sometimes people don't know what to do. 
Sometimes they are confused about your light must bring guidance. When people are, are even burdened, they must be able to come to you and speak to you. And talk to you. And unburden before you. Your life must bring guidance. And number three, what light does, the light pushes back the works of darkness. Light pushes back the works of darkness. John 1 verse 5 shows us that. The light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Light pushes back the works of darkness. The devil wants to infiltrate spaces. He wants to ensure that marriages don't work. He wants to ensure that people don't remain married. He wants to ensure the devil is not a nice guy. If you think he's nice, you must be. He's not a nice guy. He wants to ensure that marriages are split. He wants to ensure that children, children don't grow up in healthy homes. He wants to ensure that. He wants to ensure that. That is how come the world has begun to agree to this narrative that all men cheat. And even women are now accepting those narratives. That you, that you, I, I'm a married man, he may cheat, but he shouldn't cheat in front of me. The bar is becoming low for everybody. The enemy wants to push all these things in our, it's an agenda. It's an agenda. Ensuring that people just booze left, right, center. It's an agenda. Why do you think the world spends all, the, all those money promoting certain things? Why do you think so? You think people don't know what to use their money for? We must not be naive. Oh. On the surface, it's like, oh, people are just spending money, just promoting things. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. It's an agenda. Why do you think the world is promoting and pushing and trying to redefine marriage? To make it now look like, oh, it's, it can be a man and a man. It's all about my choice and what I want. Why do you think that the world is pushing? All the, it's an agenda. It's not naive. You must not be shallow when you see some of these things happening. It is an agenda to erode traditional values, to erode respect in, in, in families, to erode where, where kids grow up and now they can talk to their parents anyhow. Not in my house. That's for me and my house. <laughs> you dare not. It's an agenda. It's an agenda and we must be aware. We must push back the works of darkness. We must push back the works of darkness. Where the world tells us that how can you remain married to one person for 40 years? One person. Ah, that's a boring life. It's an agenda. And this thing comes through ideas. They seep into our minds through ideas, through philosophies. And we must be careful. Number three as well. The third influence, symbol of, of influence is city. You are the city set on a hill. The city there stands for memorial, stands for legacy. Something you can look up to. Something that set, set a standard. Something that you can visit. It says a city set on a hill. That means it's not hidden. Everywhere you are, you can see the city. And what, what, what does that stand for? Three things. Number one, it, it means that we inspire righteous conduct. We inspire righteous conduct. An individual who conducts, who inspires righteous conduct. Everybody can see you and say, ah, this guy. Ah, this lady. Wow, such an example. If you're looking for somebody like this, go to this person. Go to that person. It is a standard. 
We inspire righteous conduct. Number two, you become a reference point for many. You become a reference point for many. Someone can look up to you. A person with a good reputation in society, in your community, you become a reference point. You become a reference point for many. And number three, you end up establishing a godly legacy. Establish a godly legacy. A godly legacy. At the end of the day, for me personally as an individual, when I die, at the end of the day, what I want to be known for are two important things. I want Jesus to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Very important. At the end of the day, I don't care about whether it is a, I was, whether I had a million followers on Facebook or, or I had a 10,000 sit auditorium. Those things are okay and they are good to use. But at the end of the day, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to say. I want him to say, my, I preached, but I also lived what I preached. I want him to say that about my life. That is my, that is very important. That is the most important thing for me as a person. I, if I hear that word, I will be okay. Well done, good and faithful servant. That my conduct matched his word. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank God for the blessings that come. Thank God for the money and the cars. But well done, good and faithful. Because on the last day, we'll be shocked. We will be shocked. Because it's not about TV appearances. And it's not about social media. It is about well done, good and faithful servant. How did you... You preach to other people also. Did you leave what you preach? Because it is easy to preach. Do you know that? Oh, it's just easy to be talking and giving instructions. When you are in the same situation, will you remember what you also preach to the people? That is true. And number two, and I want to be remembered for, was that I was a good husband. Yes. That is my second most important commendation. That I was a good husband. That as for this woman, I took care of her well. Yes. That I loved her to the end. In, in heaven, there is no marriage, so, you know, you do everything on earth here. <laughs> you, do, you do everything here on earth. There is no marriage. When you go to heaven, you can't, Mr. There is no Mr. and Mrs. in heaven. There is no marital love or attraction. There is nothing like that. The Bible said that when we get there, we will be like the angels. Remember the scripture in the book of Matthew? Oh, you, you don't remember that scripture? Hey. Okay, all right. There is no, so marry now. The marriage is all here. We finish everything here. You <laughs> he say, hey, hello, sister in the Lord. All right. <laughs> he said, hello, yes. How are you doing? Okay, welcome. Okay, let's go and worship the Lord. <laughs> There's no bedroom or anything like that. <laughs> but that's what, that, that's what might be, that my wife will look at me, that my children will look at me and they say, he was a good father. Provided for them. Live the good life. Live the good example. That is very important for me. I don't care about money. I don't care. We'll make the money. We'll make the money. We'll make it. But it is not, it is not what defines us. We'll make it for the kingdom. Or we'll make the money. That's what he says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things that the world is waiting about will be added unto you. 
So that's not the most important thing. The one million followers is not the most important thing. Their houses are not the most important thing. They are good. They are, they give, at least they keep us comfortable on earth here. But they are not the most important thing. Get them. Go for them. But not at the expense of your faith. And not at the expense of your Christian conduct. And not at the expense of, of your example as well. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 27. Now, when, when, on our journey to become a good example, there are several things that happen, and we, we're going to try and just look at a, a few areas on our journey to become a good, good example. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 27. This is Paul speaking. This is my favorite scripture as a pastor. It says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And so Paul is in this in this passage is using the context of an of, of, of an athletic activity, and he's saying that you know, and he said that you know, when we run, we must we must run the race that he said before us, and discipline ourselves, and strive for the mastery. And he said that then he applies that context to ministry. And he says in ministry, after I've preached to others, it is possible to be disqualified. It is possible to try to, be, to, 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 in one sense, be an example to people, but yet disqualify my own confession by my own conduct. And so Paul says, I discipline myself. And there are four areas I want, to look at, I want us to look at. Number one is our confession. Who I say I am. So we start with our confession. In, in being examples, we start with our confession. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I stand for the truth of the gospel. I stand for the traditional values of marriage. I stand for honor and respect and integrity. My confession, it begins with our confession. And then number two, it moves with, to our contention. So there is our confession. What I say, who I say I am... But there is also my contention, which is areas of struggle and conflict. That on my journey to be an example, there is my confession, but there are also areas I struggle with as well. There are things I'm trying to do. I'm not yet perfect. I'm not there yet. There are things I'm still trying to do with, deal with. So on the journey to becoming an example, to becoming a light, a salt, and a city set on a hill, there will be contention as well. But don't be discouraged by that. Because we want to be examples, but there will be things that we are contending with. Struggles in our lives that we are trying to put together. There is my confession, what I say, my contention. But there is also my commitment in the midst of the contention and the areas of struggle and weaknesses. There are commitments that I make as well. These are decisions towards my desired destination. That I will say, that he will say, well done, good and faithful servants for me. So I start with my confession, but there are my contentions, but there's also my commitment that I make to honor you, Lord, to live for you, Lord, to make my life glorify you, Lord, that in my speech, in my conduct, Lord, in my thoughts, Lord, you will be honored, Lord Jesus. The Father, I commit, Lord, to staying true to this woman and this woman alone. My commitments, Lord, that I stand, Lord, to 
honor you wherever I find myself. That I stand, Lord, never to take a bribe or to pervert justice. That I stand, Lord, to make your name known. It's my commitment that although I have my contention, I still make that commitment. I discipline my body. And bringing it to subjection. And there's also my confession, my contention, my commitment, and then my control. That's the boundaries that safeguards my values. So when you make that commitment, you must, enforce, you must put in controls. Things to safeguard your values. Boundaries. The right kind of friends. Boundaries. The right kind of support system. Boundaries. That will help preserve what you carry. One of the ways to put in boundaries as well is, is, is in the fellowship of the brethren as we've gathered here this morning. We sharpen each other. So we'll go out tomorrow and we are encouraged to stand for God. We come and we sharpen ourselves. We sharpen ourselves. It's part of the support mechanism that helps us to be better. To be better. Because we must not just make that confession. There must be boundaries to safeguard the confession. There must be boundaries as well to safeguard the confession. Because it's important to be an example. As an example, we make Christ known to all. As an example, we are representatives of what Christ is to our world. As an example, we point people to a better alternative. Very important. So in this season, my friends, I want us to make that decision, that commitment, that we are going to be examples wherever we find ourselves. You are going to let your speech and your conduct be guided by God's word. You are going to walk the talk. You are going to place priority on your relationship with God. You are going to share your faith with those who are around you. And you are going to initiate positive projects that will promote positive change in society. Thank you for listening to the message. God bless you.